I saw people walking around pushing baby strollers and, you know, elderly people. And I thought, holy shit, like we built a hospital. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything. So sit back and enjoy the show. And welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is an author of the book called The Human Side of Construction and also the founder of AGS Group. Welcome, Angelo, to the show. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Angelica. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I am doing great. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm just like so excited to get into this conversation because, of course, I'm in the construction industry myself. But before we get into this, I wanted to give people kind of a little bit of a backstory how we both met. And we actually work for the same company and we work on the same project. And what's funny is that I didn't expect you to be so serious when I told you about my podcast. Um, while we were having water by the cooler (laughs) and I was just like, are they serious when they say they want to be on the podcast? I wasn't too sure, but here we are. We're, we're creating this episode. Oh, it's fantastic. I remember that too. And I was, I was dead serious. I can tell in your eyes, you were like, well, I think you, (laughs) you hadn't really known me at that point. So I might've been some crazy guy, Uh, but, but as we kind of got to know each other and what we kind of stand for, there's a lot of commonalities. So yeah. It's, I think that's how life works sometimes. The universe works in funny ways. And sometimes you just kind of meant to cross paths with somebody. So anyway, it's that's great. To, like I said, great to be here. And I'm a fan of the show. It's, it's a cool theme too. Just a little bit of everything. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. So Angelo, please introduce yourself to my listeners. Okay. Well, yeah, my name is Angelo Suntrees. I'm a construction professional. I've been in the industry for just over 17 years now. Uh, my background is kind of from mechanical engineering, and I ended up in construction by fluke. I like to say that uh, I didn't choose construction, construction chose me. And kind of, I'll save some of the details of that for later on in the conversation, because I'm sure it'll come up. But basically, I've yeah, 17 years, I've worked in different facets of construction from, you know, started as a project coordinator. I've worked in estimating, worked my way up to project manager. I've been on both kind of the contractor and the owner side. And kind of understand the challenges on both sides of the fence and currently work as a general con or with a general contractor in the mechanical electrical space which won't mean a lot to a lot of the listeners but that's why i'll stop it there and uh in the last few years i've really taken an interest i've always been passionate about leadership and i'm super passionate about construction and what we do because you know we don't just build buildings and structures we shape communities and societies and you know it's an important thing to keep people motivated and inspired to keep that end goal and that end user in mind so you know the later few years of my career I've kind of uh, tried to step away from the technical side and focus more on kind of the management what makes teams you know perform well together what makes people tick and just you know how to improve the human experience within the industry because we've got we've got a lot of work to do I would say I agree with you. Um, There is a lot of work to still get done. And it's 
comes from many traditions, I guess, so to say, if that makes any sense of how things have been, how people were taught in construction and how, like, let's take an example. I, I always use the example where when my dad was in construction, he was a laborer, he was a framer in for subdivisions. And I can say I heard all the stories like, you know, there's people that's going to bring you down. People are just going to push you out because you're like the odd one out or let's say out of a group of one culture, you're stuck in there. You're the the one that's in the middle, the one that they're going to tease, the one that's going to bring you down and make sure that you fail at this job so they can kick you out and put you into another one. So I've heard stories from left, right and center from almost practically and every industry and the people that are in my circle, a lot has changed, but there's still more change to come. But I do want to touch on about the leadership here because I've gone to know you for quite some time. We do work together. <laughs> We're what, a couple of feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I do appreciate how you do talk to people and how I do agree that you have the strong leadership. And I feel like a lot of people can learn from you and coming from this, this amazing book that you wrote it's not just for us in the construction industry. It could be for people who are in magic, um, management, corporate America, and, and just in a leadership role in general. I want to touch on this. Why this book? And what's is it something that came from experience? Is it something that you were told growing up? Because I know that I feel like you're the only one in the family that kind of went into this route of in construction because your family came from a different industry. Yeah, so that's uh, it's an open question, so I'm going to have some fun with it. Let's see where mm-hmm. it takes us. But the whole thing, what I've started recently in the last few months, and I'm actually kind of rebranding because EGS Group, it's it's very impersonal and it goes against what uh, what the whole mission stands for. So I have rebranded, like the business name is now Human Side of Construction to kind of match the book and, and the mission. And the mission is basically, you know, with two goals in mind. Number one is improving the construction industry from within by basically, you know, focusing on the human principles of connection and effective communication. And uh, I'll get into a little bit more detail later on. And that's, so that's the first one. And the second one is, like you mentioned, bringing awareness and more of an appreciation to the construction industry from the external viewpoint. Because by and large, people who are not in construction, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, considering how ubiquitous and important it is to society. You know, the general population doesn't understand what it takes to build a building or build a road. They just see it as a nuisance and an impedance on their way to work, loud noise and dust generating stuff. So, you know, I'm trying to shine some light on it and focus on more of the positive side because there is a lot of nice things like, yeah, it's tough. And we're going to talk about that stuff, too, because it's important to acknowledge that you can't solve a problem until you admit you have one. So we have to talk about the bad stuff. But there's a lot of positive stuff out there. And it's a very rewarding industry and if more people knew about it I think you know we wouldn't be in as bad of a situation as we're in with kind of labor shortage so anyway getting back to your question sorry I already went on a tangent here we just started but um, but with the book so it happened it all happened pretty quickly it picked up speed it escalated pretty quickly uh, I started back in August last year I was never very active on social media you know I post the odd article every now and then his thoughts popped in my head but at uh, the, the project we're on, we at that time we had just received notice that we received a huge milestone on the on the job, and the owner had accepted the building, which was huge. Like with the hospital, the amount of work that goes into it and the hesitancy for the owner to take it over. So 
for good reason, we had a celebration in the trailer. Everybody was happy. We were slapping high fives. Everybody was dancing, jumping around. So as I was leaving that day, as you can imagine, I was in a pretty good mood. And I turned around and uh, on my way out, and I saw this, you know, hospital that we had just built. And, you know, I was looking around at the community because it's, it's a community hospital. So it's surrounded by homes. It's in a residential area. So I was looking at the houses. I saw people walking around pushing baby strollers and, you know, elderly people. And I thought, holy shit, like we built a hospital. These people are going to come here to have their babies. They're going to come here to visit their family. They're going to come here to heal when they're sick. Because what I found in construction is you can get so trapped in a box where you're focused on scope, schedule, and budget and getting to the next milestone, getting to the next, well, what do we have to do this week? That you lose sight of the end user the big picture, that's an ultimate motivator. So I posted this post and said something, uh, you know, light and fluffy to that uh, extent on LinkedIn. And to my surprise, it got quite a bit of engagement. You know, it didn't go viral or anything, but it got close to 300 likes and a bunch of comments in a couple of weeks. So I thought, you know what, I've always had this idea and this passion for construction, but I was also growing increasingly frustrated with the way the industry operates. So I thought, I think there's more of a story I think people want to hear. And so I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to start posting and just kind of see what happens. So I started posting regularly on what I later kind of dubbed the human side of construction. So quote unquote soft skills like leadership, avoiding negativity, avoiding toxic positivity on the opposite side of that spectrum, uh, listening, effective listening skills, communication, stuff like that. And more and more people started liking, following and commenting. So it really started to pick up momentum. So while this was all happening, and again, you know, keep in mind, I was kind of new at social media. I, and I always thought from the beginning, I'm just going to go until I run out of ideas. But it's like the floodgates opened, Angelica. And like, there were so many ideas and so many, so much content that was coming to mind. I thought, you know, social media is cool with the posting and the likes and you get the dopamine and it feels good. But as soon as you stop with the posts, people forget about the message and they forget about you all together. So I was thinking there's got to be this there's got to be a better way to have, you know, a bigger impact and kind of reach new audience and have a longer form piece of content. And it was actually through a social media outlet, I forget which one, but it was a targeted ad, which is kind of scary that shows you how this stuff works. But, but anyway, it was a targeted ad and it said, oh, if you want, if you have a message, you want to stand out in your industry, write a book. So I thought, I don't think this is a coincidence. Like we were talking before, the universe is telling me to do something here. So I went with it and I really gutted it out and I guess it was two or three months later, you know, the, the book was uh, book was born. Isn't it crazy? Because I, I know we talked about this a lot off air where, you know, I'm impressed by the content that you create and give people an insight. And I agree with you what you said earlier about kind of the outsider's understanding what construction is like from the inside, because I'll be honest, there's been a lot of projects that our company does and I got to say, I sometimes get messages from acquaintances or friends that are like, hey, I see your company causing me a lot of traffic on my way to work. And I'm thinking, well, that's not my fault. Like, exactly. you know, the city's requesting things to get done. And this is this is it. This is the process. And then they're like, no, but it's not that it's more of 
it's been five years. Okay, great. It's been right. five years, but you know, just to give you an insider, there's a lot more to it than, you know, patching holes in the ground. You know what I mean? It's just a lot more that needs to get done. There's this big plan in place and we're, you know, they're working 24 hours. There's job sites that are working 24 hours and they're open 24 hours because they need to get the job done. But you know, I, I appreciate you doing that because it's hard to explain to somebody. And I know I've been ongoing explaining to the people around me when they're asking me about particular projects. And I tell them like, this is it. This is what happens this is what we go through stuff. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it now, you know, and then they stop bothering me. But yeah, I do feel that sometimes when you're in this industry and they know who you work for, they're just snapping pictures and sending it to me saying, hey, What's going on here? Yeah, like, but it is funny because I think overall construction, ha part of the problem is it's a marketing issue. Because mm -hmm. what you know, what most people know about construction, it's what they see in the cartoons as kids, where mm -hmm. if they're doing road construction, there's one truck that comes by and rips up the asphalt <laughs> and lays new asphalt at the same time. And people are, you know, the cars are falling right behind them. And even if you Google construction right, right now, it's like you'll see... Uh, Probably, I, I haven't done lately because I don't like the news, but you'll probably see, oh, this job's millions of dollars over budget. This job's months or years behind schedule. And then, you know, Doug Ford, John Tory's cutting a ribbon and everybody's smiling in suits and stuff. And that's construction to some people, but they don't know, you know, and even you could pass by a site, construction site every day on your way to work. And every day there's a little bit more concrete poured and then it gets closed in. And then, you know, you see signs grand opening and then you're going into your condo or to the hospital or into your home or whatever. And you're like, yeah, they, they did construction here. And it's not, I'm not like making fun of people or I'm not chirping anybody, but they don't know the years and hours and out like thousands of hours, men and women working hard through, you know, the site plan approval, the permitting mm -hmm. design all the issues to overcome with construction because let's face it there's always going to be problems uh coordination problems communication problems things got to collaborate on that's construction and uh and yeah so i think you know if people knew and had a bit more of an appreciation for what goes on in the industry they'd probably go a little easier on you your friends would probably still make fun of you because that's what friends are for but you know <laughs> I love you guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but overall, with the construction industry, what do you find is the biggest challenges? Um, I would sum it up into three right now. There's three big challenges that the industry is facing, and they all have a common theme. You probably won't be surprised to find that it's about people because that's my whole shtick. But basically, the three, and I won't go into too much detail because we could probably do a whole episode on each one individually. But number one is... Uh, is the design and construction gap. So, you know, with any project, even in newer jobs where you have, I wouldn't say newer, but like more modern delivery formats where you have a the design consultant and the constructor on the same team, there's still gonna be a gap because you have a different set of professionals and there's a point at which you pass the baton from the project on paper to the project on site. And there's always gonna be gaps there. But the problem is it seems like that gap is getting bigger. And I think what it comes down to is, number one, it's a, it's a money thing because both sides of the fence are trying to pinch some pennies because t everything's getting tight and, you know, owners are always driving costs down. So people put on maybe less junior, cheaper type of employees. And obviously they're not going to know as much and they're going to miss things. And they're going to create differences. The problem with that is you create a different problem. You might save a few bucks up front, but you cost everybody a lot more headaches and dollars and time down the road so 
that's one challenge between design and construction. And I've been called out before on this before, so I will clarify. I have nothing against engineers and architects. Like my background is in engineering and I'm not saying that they don't know how to do their job. It's just, you know, construction people are great at building and don't necessarily understand design. Designers are great at designing and don't necessarily understand construction because they don't have to. In a world like construction, there's so much to know it's impossible to know everything. So you have to break it up into these segments. But the problem is when those segments become silos and you have walls that stop effective communication and collaboration and teamwork. So that's one. Number two, and probably the biggest one, most, I think, I wouldn't say the easiest one to solve, but the one we should probably tackle first. I probably should have started with this, but I lump in DEI and generational issues in the same category. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, bringing in diverse populations of people uh, and just throwing them in a room and, and seeing what happens essentially. Because some people think like that's what you know DEI is. Hire more women in construction. Hire more people from the BIPOC, uh, you know, underrepresented groups in construction. And then the numbers will just work themselves out. Well, guess what? That's not gonna work because those people are different and those people have had different experiences, which is why they haven't been in the construction industry. So. So to overcome, you know, the DEI issues, you have to acknowledge that there are differences and you can't say, oh, we treat everybody the same because that's, that's bullshit because that's just going to make things worse. If you take that philosophy, those underrepresented groups that you're bringing them in, you're doing a disservice and you're not giving them the tools they need to succeed. And they're just going to end up getting burnt out and leaving probably most of them. And I've seen it happen just for that very reason. Generationally, it's the same thing, right? Every company I've worked at, big and small, I, I guess it's just, or you can probably check like consensus data, but there's always been a contingency of people at or near retirement, quote unquote boomers. There's a few people in between, usually kind of middle management, whatever. And then there's a huge group of people 40 years and younger. So, you know, there's a good 15, 20 year gap. And, you know, let's just face it, like generationally things are different. The old school, tough way of construction, getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning to pour concrete. And if there's a problem, you just, whoever screams the loudest wins and you hit tables and you point fingers and you beat your chest. That's gone by the wayside. That's not going to work anymore. Okay, so we've got the way people work is different. Their motivations and aspirations for their careers and what they want in their personal lives is different. Work-life balance didn't exist a few years ago. And yeah, so, you know, we have this very diverse population of people coming together, which is awesome because that's how it should be because it's 2023. But we got to figure out how to effectively communicate and work together. Sorry, I spent so much time on that one, but you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. And the third one, which I'll keep very brief because I'm not an expert in, is adoption of technology. So it's no secret. There's, I think McKinsey did a study a long time ago now. It's probably outdated, but it talked about how construction was like one of the slowest uh, industries to adopt technology. And I think the adoption part is correct, but that's not to say that there's no tech in construction because there's tons of stuff, man. There's cool stuff that's existed for a long time. It's still coming up. It's just getting companies to buy into that technology and adopt it, which is going to be a big challenge too. Is that too much information? No, it's not. Well, it resonates with me because, you know, I'm in the industry with you. So I, I get it and I understand it. And I feel like you bring, you bring up pretty good points 
Uh, it's definitely something that we have to continue to work on, but it also depends how the company takes that approach and to, you know, really put it together and go with it. Like example, like you mentioned with, with technology, there's so much technology out there, you know, some people don't even still use email to this day. And there's that older generation who probably want to work till they're 80 years old and then not giving a chance for the young guys and ladies out there to get to that position. But, um, Overall, with construction, it is it's a fascinating industry. And it's funny because when I got into it, I well, Frig, I can say when I was probably six or five years old, because my dad was part of the team also for the Skydom as well. I used to see drawings. I used to see big, big drawings, like those big rolls that look like your rug when you buy new from Ikea. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember going through drawings like that and kind of being fascinated by that. And as I got older, I used to see like model home drawings and everything. And I used to mimic them when I was in the third grade, but it just had that passion of building and kind of just seeing and looking back like, wow, these people design these houses and they build these houses and it's like that's what I wanted that's what I wanted to feel like and it's crazy how I continued on with my passion uh, for design and construction for even till this day I'm shocked I'm just like wow I'm, I'm you know <laughs> yeah I, that's pretty cool because a lot of people that graduated from my program a lot of them unfortunately couldn't get a job here most of them were international students so they have to go back to their old engineering job or um architectural job and they wanted to make a living here and they went to school and everything but that didn't work out because we hit a, a recession but I remember saying to myself like if this is not going to work out which was really difficult especially with somebody with a learning disability I felt like I was not going to make it through you know we started the program with I think it was 5,000 students and I think only 250 graduated so it goes to show you how intense it was to be in an architectural technology program, which basically they told us we were kind of the architect's assistant. Like we're doing all the work of the architect and he comes in or she comes in, reviews the drawing, stamps it, and it's done. So we take on a heavy load just to make him or her look good on paper, technically. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do agree there's so much more being into it now and seen, but it all comes down to the the company. It all comes down to the team that you have. If it's a mom and pop shop who are striving and, you know, making these million dollar home designs, then yeah, maybe it's difficult for them to opt into the highest technology. But in the long term, I feel like you'll see a return from it because clients want to see the stuff in in 3D on a What's that? What's that thing called where you put over your face? Oh my gosh, yeah, I have one at home. Reality. Yeah. yeah, see, I have one of those, and I don't even use it because the last two times I got really dizzy, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the end yeah, of it. A lot it. of people, a lot of people say that. Eh? So. You got to get used to. It. You got to build into. It. But you know, I had a lot of fun. Like I played basketball. I was I was being yeah. chased after uh, people in the game. Like it it's cool. By the way, it's really cool. Um, yeah. But you know, I feel like seeing it a different aspects as well from like my family and my circle of friends it's interesting to see where companies are taking you know their 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 vision and their values and their mission to implement new things for the future and i see that gap i i do see it so i resonate you with on that because again i i have a circle of friends and family who are in construction and i i, I it's interesting hearing of what they go through and i'm thinking damn like I could say we're pretty lucky that we have a company that implements a lot of technology and 
there for the clients and make it, you know, bring this thing to life before it even starts building for them to have the yeah. opportunity of 3D technology to go just just being in the office. Hey, just put this on. I'm going to show you how things are going to look or how things are looking. Like that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it does come down to companies, but what are, what are companies comprised of the quiz pop quiz money? <laughs> well, they exist to make money. Yes. But who makes the money and it, it, people, it comes people. Down to people, the team yeah. comes together. So, and, and the biggest challenge I found, cause I worked for different size companies and I've worked for companies that were one time small and they're now huge. And it comes down to the people. And I think that it, it reaches a difficult point. I'm a small business owner mm-hmm. and we have one employee and it's me, but I uh, imagine you have, you, you set out your core values and that's what you build a company off and then it becomes very successful. And then you start to build, build and build. Can you continue with the same company values that you had when you were 70 people when now you're five, 6,000, 7,000 people? Like, I think it almost reaches a certain point where it's like almost like critical mass and things kind of start to break down a little bit. And we don't have to get into details, but it comes down to the people. And that's what is interesting getting kind of back on topic with what I was saying before, when you take like architectural technology or architecture, engineering or whatever, college, university, a lot of stuff you learn about, most of the stuff you learn about is technical skills. How do you perform this task? You know, the steps to get it done, the numbers required to, you know, do a calculation, whether it's a heat loss calculation or a structural calculation on a beam or whatever. It's like just math. It's very quantifiable. But what do we do every day in construction to solve problems? Like the majority of my day is comprised of talking to people and, you know, having difficult conversations if there's conflict. So, you know, we learn all the quantifiable tools, which you need to, because that's ultimately how the building gets built. Nuts and bolts come together. But it's not so much what you're doing. It's the process of doing it and the human connection that's required to accomplish a task. Like, you know, we mentioned email before. There's never a course on how to properly use email like doesn't it drive you crazy when you get a company-wide email saying oh yeah you know come to this function and somebody replies all saying oh i'm sorry i can't make it that day it's like you know maybe that person <laughs> hit it by accident or maybe they just don't know how to use email sometimes they reply all and they take some people off because they didn't like it or they add this person that and there's a certain etiquette that you know we don't have that base level of education having difficult conversations have you ever received training on having a difficult conversation or how to resolve, effectively resolve conflict, or how to effectively communicate? You know, our company is good because they have a lot of stuff, that, but you have to take it upon yourself to go mm-hmm. and find it and do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why are we not equipping ourselves and our people with the right tools to get this stuff done? Because there's studies that have shown that a significant portion of problems that arise on site you can define problems by like schedule delays or cost overruns, stuff like that arise from either improper like documentation. So somebody's not maintaining the proper information or communicating the right information or miscommunication where, you know, the schedule might've changed, but somebody wasn't notified or somebody was supposed to have a conversation, Jim and Bob, but they didn't like each other. So he said, screw Jim, I'm not going to talk to him. You know what I mean? Stuff like that worked under the sequence. So a lot of these problems that we're seeing in the industry that, has made it so combative and confrontational and litigious, I think can be solved by just focusing on connecting as people. Because in my opinion, and I don't know the science behind it, 
but just my observations and my experience and what's worked well for me and mistakes I've made in the past. Any type of relationship, whether it's business or romantic or otherwise, you can't layer on the complexities of financial stress and budgets and schedules or love and stuff like that until you connect at basic human level, which is based on you know mutual trust, respect, and care. And it's a two-way street. So in my opinion, everybody should be striving to connect with people not just treating each other as resources to get a job done because we're all humans behind the role. So acknowledging that and connecting with the person will help you when the going gets tough because it's easy to get along with people when things are going good in the honeymoon phase of anything, whether it's a project or a marriage or anything relationship. But when the shit hits the fan, I don't know if I can swear on here. I guess you can edit it out after a bleep, but I don't know. But when, when the shit hits the fan, that's when you really need relationships and that's when you need to know how to deal with people and the shit hits the fan a lot in construction angelica you know oh it sure does it sure does like even I, i've met so many people in my time and you're just like it's not just in construction though it, it comes from also retail i have 18 years of retail experience management on and off and i was just like dang like some people come in so stressed out coming in and they're just like why did you move my pen it was supposed to be on a specific spot and i'm just like wait what excuse me hi how are you too yeah you know i didn't burn down the building we're making sales we're halfway through our goal like what the heck's wrong with you man like you know sometimes i just i wish back in the day i had more of a voice and i know podcasting has really helped me and develop into the person that I am today. But back then it was just like, I'm just basing this off of my retail experience because there was yelling, there was verbal harassment. And I'm just like, dang, you know, some people just need to take a chill pill before you walk into your office or into whatever it is. And you just need to chill out, relax a little bit. Don't come in, you know, hot and heavy yeah. because I don't know how to deal with people who are hot and heavy when they come in. But if a customer were to come in, I can deal with them, no problem. Yeah. And it's, I think that's everywhere, everywhere in whatever office, because I hear it all the time from my circle, from the people that I network with, people who left corporate America after 20 years because they were fed up. They were fed up with the environment. They were fed up with that, you know, um, everything, basically. Everyone that has left corporate America that I met and interviewed they always tell me the same thing. It's the people, it's the management, it's the communication. You know, don't come at me just because I didn't refill the paper in the printer, you know? So I feel yeah. like it's it's everywhere though. Everyone's going through that. It is. And uh, here's my take on what's happening there. And there's always something going on behind the scenes, right? And I've experienced this firsthand when I come home and uh, you might've had a stressful day at work. And my kid knocks over their milk. Like I have three young kids and, uh, and I'll be like, what are you doing? Why are you smelling? Like just out of nowhere. And then, you know, once you, I think it comes with a little bit of maturity or gray hairs or whatever, or maybe you just reach a point where you start learning more about yourself. But, you know, there was a point in time where I would snap about stupid little things like that. And then everybody would get grumpy and I just be, get mad. But now I, I catch myself and I say, well, why am I getting mad at this? Oh, it's because I had a bad day at work. So what happens like as humans, we're just all feelings, man. 
and toddlers are the best. Anybody who has kids, I know you've got a young one, Angelica. They're, they're just all feelings and they don't have any filter. And it works good and bad. Because when, when my little guy's happy and he's just like in the moment and he's got flow going on and he's playing and he's dancing, it's so amazing to watch. And he doesn't care who's around, who's, who's watching. On the flip side, you know, if, if he's goes to get up on a chair he's not supposed to and you tell him no he throws a fit because he doesn't have that filter when we grow up we still have those feelings nothing changes we're all just toddlers inside walking around with our feelings we just learn how to filter it better and some people learn how to filter it in different ways or don't don't filter it at all so where am I going with this basically there's not a switch you can hit to say okay I'm at work now shut off my personal stuff or shut off my emotions and so I think what happens is everybody's carrying around their baggage and their stresses. And if you don't properly deal with that, it comes out in ways like, like you were saying, why did you move my pen? Or how come nobody put paper in, in the copier? Is it really about that or is there other stuff going on? So, you know, acknowledging that there is a human experience and it can be exacerbated when there's personal stuff going on. Like say, you know, your dog is sick or your parents in the hospital or your wife's about to leave you. That's going to affect you when you go to work. You can't turn it off. So if, if you go into a toxic work environment with already this emotionally laden baggage from home, yeah, it's going to be terrible. And then you're going to rub off on other people and it's going to snowball. So that's where it comes down to, yeah, management's important because they set the tone. But if you don't have the people, middle management, with you know, managing operations, the boots on the ground to reflect those values, you're not going to have culture. So the vision plus middle management to implement that that will give you the culture and i think that's where a lot of companies fall short they might have the best of intentions the best values and mission statements but if you don't have the right people in the right places and you get a toxic person in there it's you know it's all for nothing i don't know does that make any sense it does because again i came from a management role in retail and that's where i kind of took every single thing that i went through as an associate or as an employee and kind of just made it my own. I made sure I was taking care of my people because my people are the ones taking care of the business. And I made sure that personal development was being intact too as well, having one-on-one -on -one meetings because I felt a change and that's what they wanted. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be, you know, appreciative. You know, what does it take for someone to say, hey, you did such a great job? Nothing. You know, no, so it's free. It's yeah. free. Exactly. So I, when I was a manager, I made sure I implemented the stuff that I didn't like and put it into action into my team. And it was nice to see them succeed. It was nice for them to come in and say, oh, my gosh, I feel so great coming into work, getting those compliments. And it's not just for my ego. It was for them. Like, even though some of them did not want to grow within the company, great. But how could I help you? improve the skills within this company to help you outside of this company it doesn't have to be where i'm going to drill you down so you're going to become a supervisor no it you know life takes us in many directions and i want to make sure you're on the right path to what you want to make it out to be if it's with the company or not and it's making sure you have that one-on-one -on -one time say hey you know how things are going you know I know it's been such a stressful week with everybody and we're trying to hit our sales goals and stuff like that. But, you know, how are you doing? You know, just the simple, how are you? Because yeah. again, I've had a lot of management in my past who just come in hot and that's it. They don't even say hi to you. They don't no. even say, how are you? And you're just like, so what am I? I get it. There's that misconception that we're all a number at the end of the day, but 
if you want this team to succeed, you want to complete this project or hit your sales goal, you need to make sure your team is, you know, their their well-being has been taken care of. Yeah, it sucks to go through a lot of stuff that we go through in life because this is life. But, you know, how do we help those people to turn it off for a little bit and help them focus yeah. in their day-to-day activity? Yeah, I've heard it described different ways, but the best thing coming to mind, and I totally agree with you, is, is like, it's kind of counterintuitive, but the results are are a byproduct, not like the uh, not the outcome. What, what I'm trying to say there is like, say, take your example of working in retail. Yeah, you know, you've got a team of people and you're selling a product or a service. So you might think like the main goal is to get people to buy the service. But if you think of it another way and say as a manager or a leader, your number one goal should not be to do the end product because you don't do that. The team does. So your main goal is to make sure that the team functions properly and that people are supported to do their best work to function. Because as a worker, if you're, you know, healthy, safe, acknowledged and your, your existence is validated and you're a contributing member and you're able to like work freely and you do what you like, naturally, you're going to do a good job. And then when you do a good job, your customer is going to be happy. You know, so as managers, and I don't know, it might be easy for me to say, because this isn't my role right now, you shouldn't be focusing on the numbers. Are we hitting the numbers? Are we doing this? It's like, how well are we treating our people? Because they're the ones that, that do the work, right? So it's that, it's that human element that is the underlying theme of the book and all the stuff I talk about that I find just super fascinating. Because, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Like, regardless of the industry, irrespective of your title, like your success in life, and it, it extends beyond work. It comes down to how you treat people, in my opinion, and how you connect with people and how you build relationships. And it'll help you at work, yeah, because if you need to solve a problem, you can call somebody and then they'll answer the phone because they know you're a good person and you would do the same for them. It'll help you in your personal life because you'll have rich uh, relationships with your, your spouse and your kids and your it's like, yeah, it's just investing time and energy in the right places. And like you said, it's absolutely free and it's so easy to do. Sometimes it's difficult because we get caught up in our own stuff that's going on, right? Like I'm sure everybody's been there. I know I have where you kind of spiral under control and you feel like, you know, the world's out to get you. And, and it's okay to have those moments because we're all human. But yeah, don't know where I was going with that one. But And this is the human side of things, of us expressing how we feel and being able to take that and incorporate it, learn, grow, whatever it is to help build a successful team at the end of the day. And with all my experience, I feel like it's so relatable with construction, especially in retail, because uh, I'm just like, wow, I can take so much from what I've learned and implement it into that. But with this book, I love how there's different ways that you can implement these, implement this into your day-to-day, like not just from construction, it could be from a management and leadership role. And just to point something out for those who are interested, here's a sample. What you can pick up is how to get that promotion salary bump. Why should you dig your well before you're thirsty? Um, Have people ready to promote you before there is a role available? The secret to effective relationships, avoid wasting time and energy on the wrong people. Why most people get stuck at the same point to keep things moving upward. Why defining yourself as a technical expert can limit your career. I haven't started reading it and I apologize because I know I was like, oh my God, I got this book. (laughs) And 
haven't had a chance yet because uh, I, life is really busy for me. <laughs> uh, I know, yeah, lots going on. And I, well, we've, t- we've talked enough now. You don't have to read it because you know all the information. But uh, yeah. But I would love to just you know skim through it and kind of get an idea myself and how I can implement these strategies and put it into into my day-to-day life as I'm a one-person team in all my projects and my other three companies that I run. But with your experience with construction, what do you like about it? Why are you still in it? (laughs) So I think one, the the moment I realized that, uh, I think there's two things. One is like, we wouldn't be where we are today as a society or like the world at large, if construction, like it's such an important part of every day. Like I mentioned, you know, the road that you drive on to get to work, the building that you go in to work in, the hospital you go to when you're sick, you know, the place of worship you go to pray or do whatever you, you know, do. Like that's all part of the design and construction process. At some point, somebody had to come up with an idea that another person put it on paper and somebody else built it. So it's not just, Again, it's the conception when people hear construction, it's, you know, probably a guy sitting outside a construction site smoking a cigarette. There's totally more than that. So that's what kind of, you know, keeps me uh, motivated and inspired. And it's hugely rewarding. And it's a lot of work, but that's what makes it rewarding too. It's the whole delayed gratification thing where you have to put in a lot of effort. But when you do reach that milestone, when you do open that building, when you open that road, and then you can tell your kids after and like, that's a construction joke, right? Like when you drive by a site and you tell people you bid it and then your family rolls their eyes. It's like, uh, but it, it's a very proud industry and there's a lot of good people in it. So number one, it's rewarding. Number two, I love working with people. Like the amount of people and different types and shapes and sizes and ages. And it's like, it's just been amazing to, uh, you know, meet and collaborate and share ideas and different ways of doing things and solve problems. And like, this is where my passion for leadership comes through. Because when you put together a plan, guaranteed it's not going to happen exactly how you planned it. That's why you come up with backup plans and contingencies. And that those probably won't work either. So you're continuously solving problems. And there's this continual challenge. And I love being challenged. I love overcoming difficulties, working with people to make it happen. And the, my biggest enjoyment out of construction is when some when the team succeeds like when we hit that milestone back in august i think that was before you joined i wish you were there because just i can still remember this looking around the look on people's faces it was just so i don't know it's just such a good feeling like we did this together and yeah it was tough and there were times where we probably thought it wasn't worth it but we did it and uh, yeah so i guess to boil it down into a short answer it's collaborating with people solving problems and uh and the, you know, the feeling, the reward at the end of the day. For sure. And you've mentioned it, how it's, you know, people can potentially visit families or be able to heal, uh, be able to bring life into this world. And to be able to be part of that is obviously rewarding. And of course, having a team behind your back, there's so much that could happen, obviously, like behind the scenes, you know, you go through rough times together, but you are in it together. You know, you, we try to support each other through the process. And that's the end result is this amazing structure that's going to provide so much to a community and your name is on it. It may not be on the building, but it's there in a way of, wow, like I helped build this. Right. So that's why I feel, I feel the same way when it's, when it's like that. And 
it's it's so much potential it's one of like you build a home for somebody you're building a home for a family in the future the future like years to come yeah. Yeah. you know you're building an office building that can lead to a potential small business owner and make themselves into a corporation one day so i always look at it that way and how you're providing for the community the people around you but also the people that work with you side by side and it is rewarding it really is yeah I think that a lot of people share that in the industry that I've talked to. And it's just, you know, what it always blows my mind. Like even, even when we're talking about small businesses, like the fact that, that people are able to create something from nothing, like literally, you know, you're taking an idea and putting it on paper as a design professional. And as a constructor, you're taking that piece of paper that was spawned from an idea and you're taking wood and metal and concrete and whatever else, rubber and you're you're making come to life like it's it's uh you know it's so amazing it's pretty cool it really is so, yeah so a story comes to mind if i can tell it real quick and yeah. it was from a simon Sinek talk who's like you know one of the i don't know top people in human performance and uh, all over social media and stuff but um it basically and it's apt because it's, it's in a construction setting so this person's walking down the street and there's a construction site and there's two different uh, workers that are laying brick okay in the same same project so they stop at the first one and he says oh excuse me sir like I just want to ask you a question do you, do you like your job and the guy says i hate my job because i'm out here it's so hot I, I just do brick after brick. I'm here day in, day out. I'm doing the same thing. And it feels like I'm never going to get it done. It stinks. I hate it. So he says, okay, well, sorry to hear that. Thank you for your time. Keep walks down a couple hundred feet. There's another mason laying brick doing the same stuff. And he says, oh, I was just talking to your friend back there. I want to ask you the same question. Do you like your job? And she says, oh, I love my job. Yeah, you know, the days are hot and they're long and I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm doing brick after brick and some days it feels like I'll never get done, but I'm building a cathedral. So, and I think most people in construction have that ladder mindset where they see the big picture and they know that they're part of something bigger. If you're building a house, like you were saying, it's not just wood frame and drywall and paint. It's somewhere where somebody's going to put marks on the wall, like as their kids grow up or, you know, Put a hole in the drywall if they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing stuff like that like and that to me if if any if people look at it like that you don't need any more inspiration motivation like maybe i'm just crazy i don't know um, i'm geeking out now angelica i'm geeking out <laughs> you're not crazy you're not crazy it's like when i started the podcast i was like so what is this for yeah, it brought me happiness internally. I met some amazing people all over the world, over 600 in my network. And it's just like, damn, like it's, it's an accomplishment, but also it's more, that's the reward that I'm getting. Like a lot of people ask me, like, do you get paid? And I said, no, because I live in Canada and I don't have time to, you know, figure out this like 30 page proposal, why you should give me money every single month and what it's going to do for your business. To me, it's what's rewarding. And when I speak upon podcasting and go on to Clubhouse, which I'm so addicted to, I the biggest question I hear when people start is, well, when do I start making money? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I've been at it for four years. You think I made a penny? No, I think yeah. I spent more money on this thing than than anything else because this is my passion project i i want people to come onto the show share what they're what they're doing promote what they're doing and hopefully it gives them a sale gives them a referral whatever it is yeah 
yeah, that's that's how uh, that's your reward is uh, being able to do that, meet the people, and help people. Like that's awesome. Love it. Thank you. And my question to you is, it's about the book. How did yeah. you have time to do this? Because I'm trying to struggle. And it's funny because whoever's an old listener listening, I've mentioned of writing, starting to write a book probably like three years ago. And here I am trying to figure out how am I going to do it? So how did you do it? <laughs> yeah. So here, you know, I'll be honest. I, uh, I said earlier, it was three months that was all said and done. So uh, the process of getting the content down, it actually took 10 days and Technically, it took 17 years because that was my experience and observations, but it took 10 days to put it on paper. And this is how, like the project we're working on now, I live on the opposite side of town. So I spend a lot of time commuting up to three and a half hours a day. And I spent most of that time usually listening to audiobooks and, you know, getting ideas and stuff. And then uh, when I went through this whole process of doing the book, there was a lot of upfront work. Like I, I knew I knew this subject I wanted to do, but in terms of the chapters and the topics, I had to parse out my thoughts a little bit. So I came up with an outline, but then when to generate the content, most of it was done in, in the car as I was driving. So I would get in the car in the morning or afternoon, depending which way I was going. And I'd have a couple, you know, sections of the book that I knew I wanted to, I needed to work on. And I would just get in the car and I would, turn on my phone and open up an email and dictate, hit the dictate button. I would just talk for 30, 45 minutes or an hour. And then once I stopped, I would just send myself that email. Then when I got home that night, I would copy paste it into a word document. And then I'd have to refine it because, you know, periods were in weird spots and you have to take out the ums and the ahs. So in terms of actually generating the content, it was really fast because I, I had that, you know, three and a half times five, I had 16, 17 hours of, a week in in the in the car with nothing else to do and i was hands-free obviously i wasn't breaking any laws or anything and then uh and then yeah so i had somebody help me with the cover and the formatting and the proofreading and yeah so that's yeah to answer your question that's how it kind of came together so quickly well congratulations because honestly again i'm i'm still stumbling upon of how the heck do i do this and what's crazy is that i met a young author, I believe she's five or six. She's already published two books. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> how? yeah. Exactly how. Yes, there's there it's a children's book. It's short, but you know, she's gotta get all these ideas out of her her head and put them on paper. And you know, her mom's gotta help her kind of realize, okay, where are we going with the story and trying to help her bring this vision into life, but still. She says she's got two books under her belt. And I remember interviewing another young author. Uh, it was probably when I first started. She's already published six books. And she started writing at the age of six. And she's probably, what, 13 um, right now? Because I interviewed when she was a little bit older. And I'm like, wow, another one. Exactly. So just like, that's amazing. That's amazing, first of all. But, you know, it, when you're passionate about something, definitely you'll make the time for it. And I keep telling myself that because of course I make time for everything. And it's, it's amazing to just have a book out there and say, Hey, this is mine. This is my baby. This is my project. It, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And I never, you know, never really aspired to, to do it. It was kind of a fluke how it started, but once I got into it, I, I took it like very seriously. And now it's, you know, you know, it's a piece of content that's going to sit there and on somebody's bookshelf, you know, yeah. everybody who's bought one now, like it's sitting in their home, which that I'll, I'll tell you, that was the weirdest, 
it was the coolest and weirdest combined moment for me when uh, people when I released the book and people started buying it and a couple of days after it came out because it, it took a couple of days because it's on Amazon so you order it yeah. there and they ship it to your house and there was one Armindo my buddy Armindo if you're listening you're the best buddy but he uh he works in construction um in a different company and he just follows me on LinkedIn and always likes my content and just really vibes with it and uh and he po- he didn't even send me a picture. He posted it on LinkedIn. He said, I got my book today. And he said, as soon as I got home, I made my wife take a picture of me <laughs> in, the, in my office with the book. And it was the weirdest thing. Because like, you know, who am I? I'm just some construction guy who decided to write a book. But people are actually, you know, buying it. And I'm getting positive feedback. And, you know, even if only 10 people buy it, my kids still think I'm pretty cool because I wrote a book. So it's, you know. <laughs> win in either way they're they're your biggest supporters and number one fan that's for sure <laughs> that is so yeah. cute though that is so cute i look at it the way when i go out to markets or when i sell my hair accessories i'm just like there's somebody out there with a bunch of my clips and the headbands with my you know my company inside the headbands like it's just on a ribbon and i'm just like that's pretty cool like it's yeah it's a really good feeling. So I understand that. I know it's weird at the same time, like, especially with the podcast, like I'm on 30 plus platforms across the world, but it's just like, there's someone in their car listening to my voice, like as we're speaking right, right now. And it was so hard to get used to that. And, yeah. and I was afraid, I'll tell you, like the first six months, I did not listen to one of my own episodes because I just really? couldn't listen to myself. I was just like, I'm, I was so paranoid and I didn't want to judge myself all the time well, because- that's a it, that's a big thing for anybody doing anything entrepreneurial is once you break the mold and you go you 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 go it on a limb right you you stick your neck out and it's it, you feel vulnerable and you know people I think it's just you know going back to the human side of things I think it's human nature to not like that because it's uncomfortable and that's why a lot of people keep doing the same thing even though it's not working aka the construction industry and the way we've been treating people because that's just the way things have gone and that's what people are comfortable with but the magic happens is where you hit a point of discomfort and you don't shy away or pull back because it's uncomfortable when you keep pushing through and so kudos to you for doing all this stuff and putting yourself out there in so many different ways because it takes a lot of effort and uh you know guts to to do something like that it's pretty crazy <laughs> it is I'm not gonna lie yeah it's pretty crazy and it's still probably uncomfortable I know even me talking about it now I, I love talking about the book and this stuff because I'm passionate about it but you know I think you just have to come to the realization that not everybody's gonna agree with you right that there's gonna be people who talk about you either behind your back or on social media or whatever like you're not gonna please everybody so that's a big hurdle to overcome, especially me. I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser. But anyway, maybe we'll save that for another uh, episode. But yeah. I've gotten comfortable and I love the feedback that I get. And random people from different parts of the world saying, hey, like, I listened to this episode. It was nicely done. I learned a lot, yada, yada, yada. So I, I love seeing that. I've gotten comfortable. I didn't really look at the negative side of things because you know what? This is for me. This is for the listeners who've been with me since um the past you know four years and it's just I just keep going I just love it I'm passionate and it's I just I want to make something big out of this and I'm hoping I can but again 
for you to put some time into this book and everything. You guys can grab it on Amazon called The Human Side of Construction. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon.com. So for those American listeners, you can search it up on Amazon, get your copy. Everybody outside of the world, hopefully you can get it in your Amazon. But um, thank you so much, Angelo. And before we wrap this up, what's a good piece of advice you can give someone out there who is looking to write a book? And I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for everybody else. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably going to sound useless, but just do it. Like just, and that that was the theme that I had. There were some days where I didn't feel like writing or didn't feel like, but once you commit to it, just do it until it's done. And it's never going to be perfect. If if you keep tweaking it and waiting for the right time, it's like anything in life. It's like, If you wait for the right time, it's never going to happen because there never is a right time. You just work with what you got and you get her done. And uh that probably doesn't help anybody, but that, it worked for me. <laughs> no, it does. It, you just got to do it. And it's right. I, I take that in everything else that I do. But this book, I've been kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to hold off a little bit. You know what you should do? <laughs> what? Just do it. <laughs> Nike's going to sue me now. Anybody from Nike is listening. Gonna sue me. Just do it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll Angela... help you. we can collaborate. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll figure something out for sure. A hundred percent. We'll figure something out. Uh, we'll see how life leads me into this year because the last couple of months was pretty nuts and crazy transitioning yeah. and uh, going back to a full-time job and all that. But, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to have met you. And I do apologize if I was like, you're not joking. So you are, you are, you want to be on the yeah. podcast interesting so we we made it happen yeah and where can the listeners find you plug in your social media and your website yeah so i'm most active on linkedin so uh, actually if you just google my name because it's not a very common name everything comes up there's a uh, linkedin i post a few times a week instagram i try and do the same there's more kind of fun stuff on there angelosundries.com so my full name.com is uh you know we've got the books link to the book there and there's some other educational stuff different courses as well so yeah that's it well thank you so much angela for your time and to all my listeners out there thank you for tuning in and that's all we have for now i'm anthony and i'm jessica with the beautiful feet podcast Hey, it's your boy Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pin from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, aka The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And now you're you listening, are to listening to, to a, a little bit of everything, everything with Angelica. Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of a little bit of everything with me.